get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson and Grant Francis, I'm Alex Ferrario, BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN as we head to our guest line now and welcome in Keith Law of The Athletic, covers Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Draft, which has just wrapped up. And uh, now I get a little bit of downtime before all of the trade deadline conversation comes into play. Keith, it's great to catch up with you today, sir. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing fantastic. Let's start with the draft, if that's okay, Keith. I know you broke it down on your piece on The Athletic, which people should subscribe to, but your general thoughts on the Cardinals' overall draft? Uh, Yeah, I thought they did okay. I did not see a ton of... um, I I don't know that I saw a ton of upside in the draft. I would say it was probably a little more conservative, but the Cardinals do sort of go back and forth year to year. Um, with how conservative or how aggressive they get. I did like the first-round pick, Chase Davis, quite a bit. He was a personal favorite of mine, Um, somebody I argued for a while this spring. I thought he was a first-round talent who wasn't getting enough first-round attention. I think it was only since the combine and in the the couple of weeks since the combine after after teams got a chance to meet with players, too, that he started to rise up into the first round. And, and I will say I really like the fact that from his sophomore year to his junior year, he made a pretty significant approach cutting down his strikeouts, cutting down uh, some particular vulnerabilities at the plate. When a player shows he can make an adjustment like that, to me it's always a good sign that he can continue to do so going forward. Keith, the Cardinals selected nine pitchers in this year's draft, and when you look at the Cardinals' system as a whole with their pitching, Tinkins, their number one prospect in terms of pitching prospects, what? Mm-hmm. how do you evaluate their pitching system? Because they are in dire need of some pitching help at the major league level, but how do you view it in the minor leagues? How are they doing in terms of their pitching development right now? Yeah, there's, um, they're, I would say they're fair in that department. Um, Tink Hence, I'm a huge fan of, of Tink Hence. I think there's clearly above-average starter upside there. They have been very cautious with him. Obviously, he was young, very young when he came into the system and then did have a little bit of arm trouble the first year. I think they limited him to something like seven or eight innings. So I like the way they're bringing him along. Um, I like the fact that they promoted him to double-A and gave him what I believe was his longest professional start by pitches thrown, which shows we're trending in the right direction. He's the real standout, though. The rest of the pitching in the system, um, this is not really criticism, but it's it's a lot of guys who are more sort of back end of the rotation. You know, I think of Mike McGreevy, who was their first rounder a couple of years ago. It's perfectly fine, but he's probably a fourth or fifth starter. Tink is the one guy in that system who I look at and say he's got a chance to be a number three starter or better. And in his case, I think quite a bit better. 
We're talking with Keith Law of the Athletic here on BK and Ferrario. Keith, speaking of pitching, it's, it's no it's it's no secret that the Cardinals' pitching is bad this season. It's been the major reason why they have faltered in the NL Central in their hopes for the playoffs. And John Mozeliak has made it very clear that they're going to have to change their model a little bit. And we all in St. Louis believe they're going to have to find some high upside pitchers on the trade market, whether it be deadline or offseason. Are there guys that fall into that criteria, in your opinion, that you believe the Cardinals could acquire? No, I don't think so. I don't think you're going to see a lot of – if the Cardinals are selling, um, if that's what you're saying, are there uh, this, at this trade deadline, high-end pitching prospects do not generally get traded anymore. There are rare exceptions, but especially if, the car, if what the Cardinals are doing is trading away guys who are rentals, who are headed for free agency after the season – then I think it's unlikely they're going to get high-end pitching prospects in return. Now, if they were to do something you know, very surprising, like trade a Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado, that would be a very different story. Otherwise, I think they're going to have to be looking to free agency this offseason, and then they're going to be competing with a lot of uh, a lot of other clubs. You know, Lucas Giolito is going to be one of the leading free agents um, among starting pitchers this this winter. Well, guess what? Everybody's going to be interested in Lucas Giolito. Uh, and so that's going to make it difficult. You know, we've seen the Cardinals make good runs at free agents many times the last few years and often end up second in the bidding. And I think that uh, that their best bet to get that kind of pitching that you're talking about is to do it through the draft. Keith, when you look at the St. Louis Cardinals, they, they've been kind of connected to the Seattle Mariners and potentially trading for a cost control pitcher like a Logan Gilberth uh, and potentially moving on from one of their cost control bats to send the other way. And one name that's come up in conversations is Lars Newbar. How do you evaluate Lars Newbar? And is he someone that should be kind of untouchable for the St. Louis Cardinals to move at this year's deadline? Oh, he's absolutely not untouchable at all. I mean, I think that one, I don't think he is that kind of player who would, who should be untouchable. He's kind of a platoon bat, right? He he does not hit left-handed pitching very well at all. In fact, I just pulled up his stats. He's got a 235 slugging percentage against lefties this year. That's not an untouchable. That is a, that is a very tradable player. I also don't think he's getting you a Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert's a well above average starter who's cost controlled for many years. So, you know, I think if you're trading a large mute bar, you are hoping to get maybe a pitching prospect in, in high A or double A, who you hope you can develop into a major league starter. But if you're trying to get a Logan Gilbert or, or George Kirby, who are two young, very talented, cost-controlled starters for the Mariners, you're probably looking at trading a lot more than that. And, I mean, just having talked to some of the Seattle guys over the weekend, mostly talking draft, I don't think they're in any particular mood to be trading at any of those starters because they look at this as, as the core of a rotation for the next three or four years that's going to help them get to the playoffs. Speaking of another controllable bat for the Cardinals, you just mentioned it's going to potentially take more, or if Seattle doesn't even want to move some of those guys, how do you look at a Nolan Gorman in his first real big full season as a St. Louis Cardinal here at the majors? And he looks kind of the same as he did last year. He's slugging for power, just not hitting for any average. How do you view Nolan Gorman? I think there are signs of progress though, in that he's, he's hitting for some more power. He has, uh, uh, he, his approach at the plate looks a little bit better to me. I think he's been a little bit more selective. We've seen small increases here, like a, a small increase in the walk rate. Um, that was a little bit better earlier in the spring. I think we've seen, uh, you know, he's kind of regressed slightly as the season has gone on. But again, like I was saying about Chase Davis in the draft too, guys who make adjustments tend to continue to make adjustments. And for me, you know, Nolan Gorman was always this huge power guy who brought a lot of risk of strikeouts. But I thought there was enough of an understanding of the strike zone and ability to make adjustments that was willing to bet on him. Always ranked him pretty highly. 
I, I think we're seeing some of that, and I would guess, I will predict in the second half you'll see more adjustments from Gorman, and I hope that means they hold on to him. I don't. I think he is a player you want to hang on to. He's only 23. He's already shown he's got 30 homer power as it is. I think the on-base percentage is going to continue to creep up, and I think he's going to continue to make adjustments. Keith, when you look at the Cardinals roster headed into this trade deadline, and, and then really when you head into the offseason, because that's where a lot more blockbuster trades go down, do you see untouchables on the Cardinals roster? I don't think so. I mean, they may view, you know, I was mentioning Goldsmith and um, Arenado. They may view them as untouchable, figuring how are we competitive without those guys. I, I'm sympathetic to that um, that position. But I would also say, you know, trading to, to either of those two very great players, this is not a criticism of these players, if trading either of them brings you back more talent than you're giving up, then you should be open to it. I mean, honestly, if there's one guy on this whole roster I look at and, and think, to, uh, maybe get away from the word untouchable, but somebody I can't imagine trading, it's Jordan Walker, just because he's already shown so much. He's only 21. So there's now, I believe, six years of control remaining, I think, because of the time he spent in the minors. But he is an absolute building block, and it's hard to imagine getting that much in return. Like, the Orioles aren't giving you Jackson Holiday for Jordan Walker. So... It's really hard for me to see a scenario where they're getting good value back because of Walker's upside as a hitter and, frankly, as a right fielder, too. Keith, we've been talking about the trade deadline, and you had mentioned about Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, guys Cardinals could sell, and then we've been talking about potentially looking outside the organization to add pitching for St. Louis. What would you deem a successful trade deadline for the St. Louis Cardinals? I think, you know, I hate to say this because I thought the Cardinals were going to make the playoffs this year, but I think that's probably just not happening. And then, you, to me, once you've acknowledged and kind of gone through the, the five stages of grief over not making the playoffs, <laughs> right? You have to you get to acceptance, and that means any player you're going to lose as a free agent this winter, you want to make a, a real good faith effort to trade. You may simply not get what you want and hang on to those guys. Like you should always be willing to just walk away if the offers are bad. But honestly, guys like the two you mentioned, Montgomery and Flaherty, Montgomery especially, I think he's pretty valuable for a rental. I think you should be able to pull a deal with him, and maybe get two decent prospects in return, or maybe one really good prospect in return. We'll see what the market offers, but Montgomery has just, I mean, he's been better. Honestly, his whole career, I think I've underestimated him. You look at the season he's having, he's got a chance to be the best or second best starter traded at this deadline. Keith, final one for you, and we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Dylan Carlson is a, a name that has talked a lot here in St. Louis of kind of how he fares moving forward. If it's a guy that the Cardinals should continue to give opportunities or maybe see what they can get on the market, where do you lie on Carlson? I'm a big Carlson guy, and you know the fact that, again, we're starting to see a little, small improvements in the approach this year. I know it hasn't been hasn't resulted in a great overall offensive line, but I, I like what we're seeing. Um, and the fact that even last year, too, you saw him make real improvements in the contact rate and that we're continue, that's continuing to carry forward, it, it, I think it's coming. I think the breakout is coming at some point. Um, and I think you're going to see a guy who's 20-plus homers who provides a lot of value on defense and is a 350 or better on base guy. Maybe that's not this year, but it's coming soon. And I, he, I can't call him untouchable. I can't say I wouldn't trade him, but that's a guy I would worry about coming back to bite me if I did include him in a deal. Keith, we always appreciate your information and time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure people follow him on Twitter, at Keith Law, and check out his work on The Athletic. Always appreciate the time, sir. Enjoy the weekend, and enjoy this uh, stretch going into the trade deadline. Yep, my pleasure.